Welcome to the Photo Lounge podcast, the podcast for photographers by photographers all about photography. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Photo Lounge podcast. I'm David, um, your host, I guess, because I've taken that lead role. And you just kind me... of like just assumed the role. Yeah, because well, it's not being funny. Like, I'm, out of the two of us, I'm the more famous one, and like more famous. Sh- here he goes. But, but having said that, it is also a case of like because I'm so famous, you're interviewing me on a weekly basis. Hence, you probably need to take the yeah, lead because sure, sure. it makes you feel a bit better. Yeah. So for those that don't know, that's Ben. <laughs> yep. So this week on the podcast, it is ridiculously hot, so you might hear fans and things outside because we've got windows and fans on and things, Um, so I'm sorry about that. But we are talking about um, photography techniques and hacks kind of thing um, to help you with pre-production, with production, and with post-production. Probably focusing more on the post-production side, I would imagine that's where a lot of mine are, Um, but... Yeah, we're kind of going into that. So, just to kick things off, Ben, what have you been up to since the last podcast recording? Not a whole lot, to be fair. Not a whole lot. Um, yeah, it works, works pretty quiet at the minute. <clears throat> um, like, I've been intentionally way back, uh, sort of springtime, when I was trying to, when people were trying to get me to do stuff in July, I was, like, pushing it away because I knew I was going to be busy. So... Yeah, July's been pretty quiet, um, so it's allowed me to kind of get back to some kind of normal life um, and start planning for the future and, you know, working on some of my own stuff and uh, bits and pieces. Uh, I've been flying a drone around um, because that's my new toy, and I've been sleeping in a tent for the last seven days. (laughs) Oh, wow, seven days now. Yeah, yeah, seven days in a row. It's mate, it's you've, so, so hot. really. So what you're telling me is you've really lost your mind now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there's um, I talked about him last time on the podcast. Um, Rich Roll is a podcaster that I follow and listen to. Like he sleeps in tent because he lives out in like Los Angeles or somewhere, and it's always really hot. And he doesn't sleep well indoors, even with air conditioning on, because air conditioning's never quite right. Um, and it's just too uh, like at the minute with the heat wave that we currently have in the UK. Um, yeah. It's it's just too hot for me to sleep indoors. Doesn't matter when I'm sleeping yeah. upstairs in bed or you know in the living room. Like the only place I can get a decent night's sleep, weirdly, is outside in a tent. Sod that. And I just leave <laughs> leave the fly sheet open one end so that like, I'm getting a constant breeze through. It's mate, I've not slept this well in a long, long time. Sod so yeah, that. that's that's what I've been doing: losing the plot, sleeping in a tent, flying a drone, and generally just focusing on my own stuff for a little bit. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, next next week I start back working properly, really. How about you? What have you been up to? I see uh, you're wearing so- a branded motorsport T-shirt. <laughs> um, is that reference to the fact that you spent a very, very hot Sunday? Oh, I think very hot Sunday is probably an understatement. Yeah, it um, was crazy. Watching the Formula One motor car racing <laughs> championship. Like a noob. <laughs> yeah, so... Pretty much since the last recording, it's just been the same for me. I've been, I've been working uh, on the car stuff, doing photography for that. Um, again, Ben came up with his little drone, and we uh, yeah, we made did. A oh man, I forgot video. about that. I still haven't showed you the video. Yes, we've not you even still haven't shown me the video. Not, we've not done anything with it yet, which, which kind of makes me feel like it wasn't very good. It's all right. It, it's just it, it's not. It was my first time flying a drone to do video. Yeah, and I'd only been flying the drone for about a, a week, if that. Yeah, no, it's good, but it's um. 
it's not like it's nothing major like no. i've i've Great. made better Thanks. stuff Thanks for that. Appreciate that. <laughs> but yeah so ben came up with the drone we did some stuff with uh land rover and uh the drone um okay cool that was a cool morning yeah it was a pretty decent day we'll have to do something next week yeah especially for weathers like this yeah i don't think it's gonna be like this if i'm honest well no we're in supposed um, to have wayne over wayne wayne rain over the weekend mm, that's not the forecast i've seen Oh, Manchester's sunny next week again. Yeah, well, Manchester's always sunny. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, but, but yeah, yeah. So I've been doing bits and bobs like that. I've uh, I went to I went to the motor racing at the weekend. Watched the Formula One. What Any was that Formula like? One fans out there? Um, Lewis is a uh, aggressive what we, driver. What can we call him? Um, aggressive a mad driver. Ass. <laughs> <laughs> Harsh. <laughs> Uh, no, it was a good race. It was a great atmosphere. Everyone was loving it. Um, even the, the thing that really shocked me, especially contrasting it against the events at Wembley uh, for the Euro finals, is uh, is how close all of the was. fans were. Well, yeah, little, but, <laughs> but like, you know, there was me and a bunch of Red Bull fans um, kind of sat around each other and right next to us was Mercedes fans. And yeah. um, with everything that happened, if that was at a football game, there would have been violence and yeah. fights. Yeah, Whereas yeah. with us, it was friendly banter and yeah. um, and uh, j- just passion. Like there was just passion for the sport and it was amazing. That's what it should um, be. So, I, saw you yeah, take, was, I did see a few of your photos, although you haven't sent me anything I've not you've edited. edited. I've not edited them yet. Did you get anything I've really good? Been, like I saw a few that I, you showed me. So during the F1, that, like there were so many, like all the stewards were like, you you couldn't stand up. So pretty much really? I got it they out in the just sit down like the whole time. Oh my God. Like, oh man, do you know we used to go to like touring cars and we could just yeah. basically wander wherever do we wanted? You want. yeah. Oh man. They would not during the main race. They they kept coming around like someone at the front had their umbrella up, and like I thought it was quite harsh. They were in a wheelchair, and really? they had an umbrella up because it was just so sunny. Like you needed shade, yeah. And um, and it wasn't blocking anyone's view, but they made them put it down because they were like, yeah, we don't oh. like you're not allowed them up. So COVID race. Yeah, what? It, it was a bit harsh, but um, but no, it was. I got some decent photos, mainly of the Formula Two and the and the yeah. sports cars. I didn't get much of the F one. Yeah, um, and you were you were trying to pan through a fence as well, which is never the easiest yeah. thing to do. The best photo I got was probably side on of Charles Leclerc in a uh, really old Ferrari. I think it was the oh, first okay. Ferrari that they drove yeah, yeah. because I found a little gap in the fence where I asked the steward that was there, and he was like, "Yeah, you can basically stay here for this, but in ten minutes' time, when they come out to do the formation lap, this will be an active slip road, so we need this clear." <clears throat> yeah. So he he let me just sit there for five minutes while Charles was on the track doing some stuff so I got a, I got a couple of good photos of that and there was a sports car I think it was like a McLaren sports car or something before and it spanned right in front of us so I've got it like side on Yay. smoke coming off the tyres and stuff um, I just need Thanks. to edit I need to get around to editing yeah, man, it's been a busy together. week it's been yeah. busy find some time this weekend um, and get it done it's going to rain yeah. you won't be able to go out anywhere I mean I am <laughs> So that's well, that's a little bit of news for this weekend. Um, I'm I'm going oh, yeah. to Alton Park this weekend. Alton well, Park, tomorrow, beautiful. Tomorrow I'll be there. Um, so tomorrow is testing for the Focus Cup. The okay. Formula Three is there, and there is some prototype endurance style cars. Um, but my schedule is so busy that I think I'm. I don't think I'm gonna gonna actually be able to shoot like much of the Formula Three, if any. Yeah. Especially tomorrow, Park, I won't be able to. Is Alton Park like Chesterway? It's not far from me. It's like forty minutes from me. I yeah, don't really Chester, know. Where it it is. must be Chesterway then. Must be. I know yeah. there's one out there. 
Yeah. But yeah, um, so I'll be shooting that tomorrow and Saturday. Oh, um, shooting so some motorsport trackside. But great. the unfortunate thing is, I've not been able to get a media bib because um, the track were like. So I told the track that I was doing it for this team, yeah. um, which had permission from the Focus Cup like organisers for me to yeah. do it. So I was going to be producing content for the team and for Focus Cup. Yeah. And the track basically came back and said, you need a newspaper or an online newspaper behind you to get media yeah. bib. Yeah. And I was like... Just, this just, is so old fashioned. Like it just doesn't so, make like, sense. Yeah, because there, people aren't making content for newspapers yeah. anymore. Like no. it, it just doesn't make sense. But and it comes from a world where um, you need to have a newspaper or online blog or whatever behind you because we want exposure. And it's just it's totally the wrong way to go. Yeah. And that's yeah. why the coverage out of races like that are very it's poor crap. usually. Yeah. yeah. Like because nobody the, nobody wants to do it because nobody mm. wants to team up with a newspaper or an online yeah. blog or whatever to do it. The thing I'm I'm going to be hitting up some of my contacts um, with like WTF one and things like that that I've got, yeah. and I'm going to be just seeing if I can get a media bib that way because they well the other option if I can get in with MSV um, th- then I can go to yeah, most yeah. of the tracks in the UK. The other the other option, mate, is to sign up for something like um, a Lamy. Yeah. Which is a online. It's a bit like Shutterstock and Getty, but you cool. don't have to be. No offense, don't have to be as good to be on there. Yeah. Um, but you can put that, that down, and easy. because that's a distribution channel out to press, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people will let you get away with it. Right. So, right. like that might be a way to do it. Um, have a look at that. Like today to sign up. Yeah. Get on. You get yourself on as a contributor. Like it's super easy. And then mm. basically go back to the track and say, look, I'm now contributing onto Alami, which is a global yeah. distribution platform for press. Um, is this yeah. suitable to get a media bib? If not, then that's fine. Cool. Sweet. I'll do that today. But yeah, yeah like if it, if it was me, I'd just walk down and go, well, I'm a I'm a Shutterstock's contributor, and here's well, my the, um, the, here's all my stuff the, that I do, and it goes out into national press. So. The thing is with it is that the the team of the team were just like okay no worries we didn't think they were like we thought it would kind of be a long shot yeah um, here's That's a right. VIP here's a VIP pass it can get you everywhere apart from the inner barrier on the track yeah. and when when you look at the brief that I'm working towards for this weekend shoot I don't need trackside action yeah and because like, you don't because we can rig the car up with whatever GoPros we want and the team get media access to the live footage that will be broadcast. Yeah. So and, I and can also, actually pull that out and use yeah, it without and, royalties and, and I can use my own GoPro footage. And, and go back to when I used to work in British touring cars for a little while. Um, I only had a media bib, media access for one race of one round at Brands Hatch. Everything else, all the other rounds, all the other tracks with yeah. all me working um, behind spectator areas so yeah. you just have to find like nice places and nice little angles and the, yeah. there's loads of opportunities especially in Alton Park like Alton Park yeah, as they come good. off that last turn with that archway castly wall thing behind them yeah. and then they dip down as they come through I'm doing this really weird wave thing if you're not <laughs> watching the video um, and they kind of then dip down over and down through the start line that's a lovely shot you don't need immediate yeah. access to get there because no, no. Um, there's like a fan area so and yeah. the, the stewards yeah. aren't going to be anywhere near as hot on oh, no, s- no. sitting no. down well, as they were for F1. Yeah, like the it's going to be it's going to be dead. Like um, it's not a major it's not a major event. It's not the BTCC. It'll just they'll, they'll just be, be like the, quiet. I'd thought the, they'll be the local people that go to tracks quite often. Um, yeah, and they'll be junior drivers. The main thing for me for this is just it's just to meet people. It's just to make some content and get some connections and, and yeah, go to a track. 
Oh, I, you're going to come away. When is it? Saturday or Sunday? Tomorrow and Saturday. You're going to come away absolutely buzzing. I can tell yeah. you now, like you yeah, are just going to get such a buzz from it. Yeah, like I've, so, I've, we've scheduled um, shoots and things like that. Hopefully, within the next few weeks, you guys will be able to. It'll be up on my socials and stuff, but um, we'll see. But um, yeah, like we've scheduled interviews. We're going to do some photos with him, um, and Great. then in between all of that, tomorrow I've got quite a lot of downtime because the practice sessions are only thirty minutes long because the cars can only run for about twenty minutes till the overheat. Oh, okay, um, it's because like, because it's basically it's like when I used to race remote control cars and you can only race yeah. for three minutes because the batteries then run out and you have to yeah. charge it all back up again. Exactly, but the uh, the the basically Ford Focuses like stock Ford Focuses that they've then just put bigger engines in mm. but they haven't like the guy the guy that was telling me was like yeah we didn't really think of cooling when we made this championship but it's now become a thing of the championship that these cars overheat so easily so it's like you've got to balance performance with overheating yeah so it's like there's a bit of a story there which i like yeah um, but yeah that so it's it's just going to be a big mark please drive home marketing. carefully tomorrow Oh man! I've got visions be... of you like watching focuses whip around Orton Park all day tomorrow, and then you get in the car and you're like, "Oh, thirty feels a bit slow." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But no, they're even. They've even got a, a session where I might be able to get in the car as a passenger. Oh um, man! So we're going to see if that can come to anything. Um, if that happens, that'd be awesome because a GoPro yeah. on you. Yeah, that's and, what and I was the thinking. driver, yeah. and then then you holding the camera as well. Oh man, that'd be immense. Yeah. yeah. But and no, it'll be it'll fast be, it'll and be it'll good. be loud. Oh, the the sound of a turbo just does yeah. things yeah. to my to me that you know. Oh, it's just that, dirty, that's just I what I can't it. wait for because like Start you go to the Formula wine. One and you don't hear the turbos that much in the Formula in the Formula One cars now, even though mm. they've got one of the best turbos they've ever had. You don't yeah. hear it whining down anymore. The rubber on the Pirelli tires at Formula One it doesn't smell. No, like yeah, yeah. you don't get that smell of rubber yeah. that you do from Bridgestone or Michelin yeah, because, yeah. just because of the way that they want Pirelli tyres on Formula 1 cars to degrade you just don't mm. get it so no. like I'm excited to get back to the track and smell the clutch and the brakes and, yeah. the, and the burning tyres and like, all it's that like, like, it's like for me I know we're, <clears> we're like however many minutes into this and we haven't actually talked about anything particularly yet but like <laughs> one of the one of the my like biggest likes is a two-stroke motor oil so yeah. um, oh. like motocross engines basically yeah. when, you, when you smell that starting up it's just immense two stroke is see, like now, the best now smell i'm in sitting the world. here thinking that actually do you know what i'd quite like to have a Mate, see come, what, what come motocross up, like, no come, come up to the event this weekend i can't come this weekend i have plans but um yeah like I am, th- I am sitting here thinking now oh, i really did want to shoot motocross a couple you know a couple of years ago and i had a pop and didn't really get anything out of it i wonder whether i could go and find a championship and just go and shoot so it for sick. a week for fun it'd be so sick that'd be immense just that smell and the atmosphere oh yeah. mate so excited and segueing into what we're talking about today mm. what photo hacks are you going to be using <laughs> for this weekend for um, this weekend like what what, well, what are you doing what what's your process now between um kind of where we are today and yeah when you get to trackside tomorrow like what's your what things are you going to be doing which you know maybe other photographers and videographers like won't be doing because they won't so, think to do it yeah so 
obviously I'm, ta- like, I'm thinking like aside from charging batteries yeah, yeah like yeah they, that's the obvious stuff like that you know that's just stuff well, that you I say obvious, but for. how many times have you and me been to a shoot in our lives and gone <laughs> oh shit i haven't cleared my memory card <laughs> i got i got to i got out with a um what car was it yesterday can't remember what the car was i got out and was shooting a car yesterday i think it was a golf or something like that and um and i look at my sd card and the first thing I always do is because the worst thing is when you go to the edit and you've got like, you've got to scroll down so far to find the, the latest stuff. And I click on my thing to like see what's on the SD card and I'd almost filled it. I only had like a hundred photos left on this SD card. So I was like, yeah. oh man, like I've got to shoot this card. But yeah, it happens. But that's my standard stuff that I'll be doing tonight yeah. ahead of ahead of the shoot tomorrow. Yeah. Luckily, because I'm a, Sony, I'm a Sony shooter, I've got like, eight batteries that um i constantly charge like you know that i've got my big battery pack that i'm, I'm constantly refreshing and charging yeah um so that went on charge last night it takes about 12 hours to charge so that's that's fully charged and all my batteries will be charged within the next couple of hours so that they're all fresh for tomorrow um but the the the, the main things that i'm looking at are very similar to what you do when you go to a triathlon or any outdoor event like when you shoot the rugby or um mm-hmm. anything like that yep. um, and it's it'll be weather checks tonight so i didn't want to check the weather at the beginning of the week because it's most likely going to change um sunrise could change by 10 minutes here or there the, 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 the wind could change cloud coverage could change um yeah. things like that but my main things for tonight are checking the weather so are we going to have a dry track are we going to have a wet track that will also influence and change the questions i'm going to ask the driver because i'm specifically focusing on um the build up to a race weekend from a driver's point of view so i'll be interviewing one of the guys who's driving one of the focuses and we'll be going through the process of like a sit down talking head documentary and I'll be th- looking at the weather and thinking okay if it's going to rain during this practice session or during this qualifying or race what is your thought process going into a wet race so I've got to then you know decide on the weather to come up with these questions um on the flip of that if it isn't raining and we're going to have it fairly clear uh, because I will be getting there early in the morning I'll be getting there like 6 37 um it I, I'll then be looking at where is the sun going to rise in relation to the track? So will I be able to get a shot of um, Jonathan walking down the pits with a beautiful sunrise behind him, like giving him a backlight and uh, and just kind of prepping mentally for these kind of shots instead of just turning up and doing it on the fly. Um, and then just the smaller things like planning my route, planning where I'm going to park, looking at the track um, details. So I don't know, I've been to Alton Park twice, but I don't know it. Like I couldn't really tell you the corners, couldn't really tell you how it embanks or um, how how the undulation is or anything like that for the cars. So I'll just be looking at the specific technical details from a racing perspective, which is always going to feed back into the creative process. Um, And I'll also just be looking at people within the team. So I'll just be looking at who are the key players within the team, who are the team managers, who are in the Formula 3 paddock that I need to be speaking to and reaching out to. Um, So it's just that kind of general thing from today. Like they're the the little things I'll be doing and they're the kind of like hacks I'll be doing to get ahead of the game for tomorrow morning because I am only shooting an hour's worth of, of track action tomorrow. So apart from that one hour... Everything else I'm shooting is um, is talking heads or photos or um, you know like media press stuff kind of thing. So I'll be doing I'll be doing a lot of mental prep to get ahead of it instead mm. of trying midway through a session or after a session to 
play catch up. Yeah. And I would also say like something you you probably do slightly less, I don't know, because I've never shot a triathlon, um, is the po- like preparing for the post race stuff, i.e. data. Like it's the the once a car comes off the track uh, after any session, whether it's Formula One, Focus Corp, Clio Corp, anything like that, um, you know, no matter how big or small, they have so much data from these cars, yeah. and it's so important for the drivers and teams that that's going to be such a crucial thing for me to take photos of and to and to get video of because um, it's a huge part of a driver's weekend and a team's yeah, yeah. weekend. So yeah, it's um, um, it is. Uh, I, so like one of the things that I do a lot of like pre-event whether it to be fair whether that's right rugby or triathlon or netball or you know cricket or whatever it is that i'm working on even if it's just like a regular athlete shoot um you know it's just a regular commercial thing is i'll prep all of my um folders and stuff and um file names and stuff before Mm. what i'm going to do so like that's one of the big things that I'll, i'll always do yeah. Um, like I'll, I'll always have a folder set up or folders set up ready to go. Yeah. I'll always have um, like the naming, um, I, can't what, I can't think what you'd call it really, like this is the naming conventions for for that shoot. Yeah. Um, and I build that all into Photo Mechanic um, and I'll set all of my kind of like metadata stuff up beforehand. And yeah. all of that happens, I, that's like one of my biggest like hacks that speeds my life up because that means yeah. as soon as I start importing everything, it's already going in the right folder. I haven't got a make folder because that yeah. that's 10 seconds, 15 seconds. And yeah. I work on a little bit of a quicker time frame than you, obviously. Um, but like just not having to sort of folder out. Or what yeah. I've had before is when you, you don't sort the folder out, you just bang the cards into the laptop and hit download or ingest or import or whatever. And they start going into another folder that's wrong. Yeah. So then like later on, you're having to like unpick everything and like grab the stuff from that shoot and put it into the right folder. And it's the same with like naming and all that jazz. So like that, yeah. that's my biggest like pre-shoot hack is like having all of that stuff in place like beforehand um, but yeah like like you I'll always be thinking about like what's going to happen you know, weather wise and you know what the especially for like triathlon um, yeah definitely you know, what what the route's going to be like um, I'll look at form uh, for athletes you know who's running well who's racing well um, who's likely to be leading out the bike who's likely to be leading out the swim you know where am i going to get access from like all of those sort of things other things but like the the i would say the biggest like hack for me the biggest like workflow like let's speed this life up is sorting all the folders and file names and everything yeah. data it's sorting my data stuff out beforehand speeds yeah. me up later on once i'm done but i think what you've just said with um like looking at who's going to be first out the water first first on the bike that kind of thing yeah. um that's quite a big hack that maybe it because the way you said it sounded very just like obviously i'm going to do that because that's second nature to you like that's what that's your preparation but i think for people getting into um especially into sports uh when there is it is quite fast paced and things like that you don't think of it as much i wouldn't have thought about doing half the prep with the sunrise and the track and like doing a mental track walk today Mm -hmm. if it wasn't for hearing how you mentally preparate for a preparate Prepare, prepare, prepare. <laughs> for a, for a triathlon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and, and I think that's a huge hack because people gloss over things like this, but the amount of times that you 
you pre-prepare. I don't know why I'm struggling with that today. You pre-prepare. Pre- I can't say the oh word. <laughs> you prepare for an event. Yeah. Um, you just you, it just gives you that boost. It just gives you that yeah. head start, and, it, you, and you, it, you're on course, and you, you see that athlete coming out, and you're like, yeah. "This was expected. Like these are yeah. one of the top athletes that are strongest in the swim, or yeah. are going to put it on pole and things yeah, like yeah. that." So like so like for you tomorrow, like how many how many rounds of this Focus Cup have they raced so far? Just this like the first is round. Round eight. Okay, so I would be looking if it was me today, and I was going to go and do that tomorrow, but I'd be looking. And I was working for the for a team and a driver like you are. I'd be looking at past results. I'd be looking to see like where my driver or where my team usually finishes mm. and who they're normally competing with. Yeah. Because now, ultimately, for you to do what you need to do, if they're not winning, if they're not like yeah. top of the championship, there's no real need for you to think, oh, I need to get the leader all the time. Yeah, what yeah, you yeah. don't. Yeah. What you're looking for is like the battle mid pack if that's where yeah. they're battling. Yeah. Um, and so, like sometimes when. I'll go and shoot a triathlon and, and part of our remit sometimes is, you know, can you also pick up this national federation because they haven't been able to bring a photographer. So we're going to cover for them, which happens at times and it's fine. So then yeah. you, you start to think, right, well, where are they likely to pop out within mm. this race? Like, where am I likely to see them? Where do I yeah. need to be looking? And what that, what that pre-preparation, <laughs> what that kind of <laughs> that mental preparation does is it stops you thinking when you're at the event, and the less you can think and the less you can like have to figure stuff out as you go, the more creative you get. Yeah. Because what, what happens is you're, you then get to the, you know, you'll get to, you'll sit on turn three or something and you'll wait for the cars to come through. You'll know that your driver's, you know, P six or whatever. Hmm. And you know that even with a good start, he might be, four p5 so like when he doesn't show up as the first car around the corner you're then not going you're not then pulling your hair out going oh i don't now know what to do like i'm all set up for this first car because your brain's already figured it all out and you're already going right well i just need to wait like i'm gonna have to wait a couple of cars like i know what i'm looking for i know he's probably going to be battling with so and so through this corner like i know what how i'm setting up and that that mental preparation beforehand like serves you a lot on the event because it stops you overthinking overanalyzing the only thing i would say on that is that with this event specifically there is only a handful of people that there's like maybe four or five people that do this full time Mm -hmm. the rest of them like my guy i'm shooting with is a sit-in driver he's not a permanent driver in the cup so he raced alton park last year and finished second and third mm-hmm. so i know he could be podium in yeah because he he goes well at alton but he doesn't yeah. race the focuses full time so yeah. again the chance of him podium could be slim but it is just it is that it is taking that mental prep to say okay well in this situation jonathan did really well last year he qualified high up um yeah. he probably would have won one of the races last year had his car not overheated but that was a learning curve for yeah. him um so i know that he's going to be competitive and the the one of the stories I'm going to be leaning on with Jonathan is racecraft from a steward's point of view, because Jonathan is stepping into this car for this one-off race, and he might be returning for a couple more later this season. We'll we'll see how it goes. But 
Jonathan is a steward. He he stewards a, a lot of the tracks across the UK, mainly at Alton Park. So all of the drivers know that he's a steward. Yeah. And he's given them penalties before. So I think it's going to be quite interesting see seeing how other people react and how they could be maybe a little a little tougher on him or maybe a little bit more lenient on him. And it's knowing it's it is that it is this preparation and yeah. like going into this weekend knowing all of this and like sitting down with him two days ago on zoom and just saying like you know what do i need to know who's up there like what are the chances of you podium in uh what are the chances of uh rain or tires exploding or this or that and it's understanding the craft of not the craft of photography but the craft of the sport or yep. whatever it is that, yep. that, that as a photographer you're comp- you're taking part yeah. in and, because and you, so, if you don't know that yeah and you don't know where to look for these answers or what questions yeah. to ask you're not going to get the right photos you're not like yeah. you say you're not going to know okay he won't be the first car but he might be the fifth or sixth car yeah like you don't Completely. know to prepare for that yeah and and it's those nuances that will separate you because your your creativity will be the same whether you know that stuff or not um yeah but your opportunity to get that you know photo or video clip or whatever it is 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 greatly improved because you're thinking about it so like a good example for uh, of my stuff is um so this season um i've worked with loughborough lightning who are the um they were a Allianz Premier 15 rugby semi-finalists in the women's league and we had the the league's top scorer top try scorer a player called Lark Davis and she's a forward and she doesn't she's not one of these rugby players that will like run out the back and sprint down the field and what she'll do is she'll score from like three or four meters out and she'll do it in a mass of bodies and Mm. it took me a couple of games to kind of like figure out that that was what she was doing so rather than me like sitting myself in a position where I knew like I'd get a really good head on shot if, if someone pushed over the line on their own mm. the first few games like I was trying to do that and I was not getting any photos of her because she was behind a mass of bodies so because you start yeah. to learn those nuances of oh well, well this player scores yeah. in this position this way 99 yeah. times out of 100 yeah. I was then able to like I knew if like as a team and as a squad Loughborough were like pushing forward on the line I and mean, it was likely to be a forward try I knew mm. if I like just whipped around the corner just slightly there was a much better chance of me grabbing a photo of Lark because mm. I knew I'd have a side on shot which would be a lot easier to get her with yeah. and head on because of how it works and it's like the same with you like if you're if you build a relationship up with this driver yeah. and you're you know you shoot 10 races out of a season you're going to start to pick up also on the fact that you know he overtakes in a certain way you know yeah. he's not yeah. one of these people that will come a long way back and just like whip down he'll like mm. he will be the guy who late breaks you know you'll know this from yeah. being a massive f1 fan there'll be f1 drivers yeah. who overtake in a certain way you know yeah. maybe they'll go down the inside of a really fast corner that they shouldn't do and like barge a driver <laughs> off the track and hit, their, but, hit yeah. their rival off the track yeah, yeah. and then but like, celebrate or, but, but there will be like and it's the same with celebrations on a podium. Like yeah, people celebrate yeah. in a certain way. Alonso not, celebrates in a expect, certain way. Yeah, yeah, you wouldn't expect Kimi Räikkönen to go up there and spray yeah, champagne and absolutely. lose his mind. Yeah, but absolutely. you would expect Lewis Hamilton to go up there and yeah. and, and like Hamilton party because that's the kind jump of person off the he is. Car, all that kind of stuff. Vettel yeah. used to hold his finger up. Like he used to remember those days. Like yeah. you know, you you start the more you interact with this sport, whatever it is. Yeah the more you understand the nuances, not of the game, not of the sport, but how certain people work within that. Yeah. 
So like you'll get a flavor for how he overtakes, like if he's, if he always late breaks into certain corners, because that's where he'll usually pick up like overtaking Mm -hmm. spots. And, And it's all those kind of things. Like I know a triathlon, um, that, you know, if it's a, a relatively good swim and it's, you know, there's no issues on the swim particularly, and it's a decent men's field, I know, and it's the same for the women, to be fair, like I know who those top two or three athletes leading out of the water are going to be. Yeah. Because you yeah. just you just know. You just know who the fast ones out of the water are. You know who's going to swim well in those conditions. Like I know if a certain athlete comes through transition on a bike, transitions onto the run and they're in a certain place within the field i know that they're probably going to podium if they run well so like and because you start to learn and pick those things up that again that's like preparing and like looking at sunlight and turns and all this kind of jazz because it stops you thinking you just you just know it's going to happen so you can then put yourself in a really good position to get that shot that you want and, you know, I would, and I would say and that that, um, is a, that is a hack on like on the yeah. on the ground while you're working. That as a hack is huge. Like not just following the action and just, just trying to capture everything. Winging it's it. it's it's picking up the nuances of what's going to happen, how it's going to happen, so yeah. that then that improves your decision making later on down the line. And I would say um, like on the back of that is uh, to anyone that is starting out or thinking that they want to get into it, and they're like, like it's difficult because like from well both of our points of view you have to start off small so you've got to start I've never been and watched a Focus Cup race what experience can I bring from this to back up what Ben's saying Formula 1 doesn't really count very different cars very different people there are a lot of big characters in there so I've followed BTCC for years does that count? Well, the cars are very similar. The it's people are going to be, car, the people here are going to be aiming to get into the BTCC within yep. the next few years. So potentially the attitudes are going to be the same. Um, so it's it's all about just patience and just getting your foot in any door, or even just turning up to the event or the shoot or whatever, and just learning on the job these little nuances. And then after you've done it, acknowledging them and saying this happened there which meant that I could do that or if I did this differently I could potentially get this photo or that video or whatever so don't think that any inexperience in this kind of area means that you're never going to make it because give it three events and you'll be 10 times better than what you was at the first event or three shoots in with a model or with a company for for a brand or something like that you're going to be better than the first time you shot Um, and it's it's just all about it's just all about acknowledging what you could have done before the event to aid what you do during the event so do you have any like hacks like technical hacks that you use while shooting whether it's video um, or photo i only really have one i would say i the only one i could think of um for actual like on the ground shooting is it's not really a hack it's more just advice and it's just every like small break you get when no matter what shoot it is whether it's a wedding or a portrait shoot or um you know shooting a sports event or something just take a breath just put your camera down for five minutes and just have that moment where you can just and obviously i understand that like during a triathlon or during this motorsport event or a wedding there's going to be big periods that you just can't put your camera down and you can't yeah. have five minutes also but there's moments when find... they go they all go whipping past on the bike in a massive bike pack yeah. and you don't see them for five minutes yeah. because they're looping yeah. around the course so like you have those moments where you can decompress and kind of like just yeah. figure out what's going on and i would say in these moments 
I always try and just... So, for example, I, I was shooting at a wedding um, this past weekend, gone with um, a friend of mine who does wedding videos, so I was just second shooting for him. And... Um, and at that event, there was there was a time at, while everyone was eating food that we could just sit and you know grab some water and just kind of look look at the footage we've got and just kind of breathe. And I would say just having that five minutes during a shoot because it can be crazy mm. and wild during a shoot. Yeah, yeah, it can. Just to just think about things, think about what you've done, think about where you're going with the shoot. Um, it's going to put you in a better mindset. So yeah. that's the only real thing I do. I can't really, apart from anything technical, that I don't really see as hacks because I just see that as actually doing the it's job. Just, yeah, it's just this is do. the only thing I do during a shoot that yeah. that I would say kind of keeps me fresh throughout the shoot. Yeah, like I've only, I would say I've only got one hack that I use during a shoot or during any kind of event. Um, the rest of it's just like you say, it's just doing the work. Yeah, um, and mine is so on a on a Canon. Uh, system on the top Ooh. end cannon systems. <laughs> this is when we need to start having like a sound effect library. <laughs> um, I don't know whether it's the same for Sony, uh, but there's probably like ways to do it, I'd guess. Um, on the top end cannons, they've got a rating system. So you can actually in camera um, on the back LCD screen rate images um, from one to five. And while I would I would never say you should take what's on the back of your camera as like gospel because often I'll look at a photo on the back of a camera and go that's banging and then you get it into Lightroom or Photoshop and it's not sharp at all um, but like what I do to speed my process up at the end of the day at the end of the shoot is I'll go through as I'm as I'm working as I'm seeing photos on the back of the camera I'll just rate it if I like it um, and by me doing that, what that allows me to do is I can then just look at my rated images later on. Um, yeah. And then if, if I've got a rated image that looked great on camera but isn't sharp or, you know, kind of just misses the moment and because I've just done it quickly, I haven't quite picked up that it wasn't quite right, I can then go into the unrated photos and look at, like, the ones either side of that image and see whether it's, when you're in it, whether it's right kind of when I'm in post, yeah. So, yeah. like, rating images basically on the fly or marking images on the fly. Like, I know photographers who basically because you can protect images as well on canons which i don't mm. do but you can like they'll go through and they'll protect those photos on the back of their mm. camera and then they'll when they're on their back of their laptop that's when they'll just look at their protected photos and it's just yeah. whatever you do it's that way of basically identifying really quickly which ones you like as you're going and then that speeds yeah. the process up later on and um, and it gives you a bit of a quicker <clears throat> process on the end because no one likes editing for two or three days so <laughs> And I, I would say on that, um, so I've, I've just had a quick Google of it. Um, it looks like on the newer Sony systems you can, on some of the older ones you can't. So I know you can't do that on mine. But, but it's can you like on, lock or protect images? There must uh, be something yeah, you can but do. I don't think it's I don't think it's as easy as what you can on right. Canon on the older ones. But but by looking at this from the three series and up, so basically all the newest ones, you can do it. Which I'm assuming this is because Sony back then wasn't targeting sports photography yeah, as yeah. much because like. From a from a portrait photographer point of view, this is kind of pointless because yeah. you, I don't take enough photos. Yeah, like yeah. if I do a portrait shoot and I'm taking like five six hundred photos and it's it like it's a very good shoot and I've, I've, we've done a lot of different looks. Whereas from one event, you could probably take a couple of thousand photos. Yeah, two thousand photos of a big like, event. Yeah, 
like but you're bursting like, and but even you know, on a having this having them five minutes where you can just yeah. go through and do it from a sports yeah. point of view I, I t- after shooting the F1 this weekend I totally get it because yeah, every yeah. time one car would come past I'd be getting 10 images of that one yeah, car yeah. And, and, you, and as that car's gone through <laughs> and, and you're having a break before the next one comes on you just quickly like roll through and look at the ones you yeah. like and then go oh that's really cool and just mark it and yeah. you come back to it later and it just it saves you time it allows you just to not think about oh which was that really good photo that I had well it's already yeah. marked you just yeah. just away you go um, and I, yeah, I, think like, I, I do probably use it on it. commercial stuff like it is something that mm. I will use on commercial and, and bits and pieces but, but I'm, I, I'm I less think that's more of your that's just your, a workflow yeah it's just my workflow, yeah, workflow. thing yeah yeah, but uh, but yeah, they, they've added it to the new Sony's. I'm assuming because they're targeting sports more, especially with the A9 and the yeah. um, A7R Mark IV, whatever it is. Like it's they're all, just they're targeting sports. It's very it's, obvious. It's all going to get outdone by the R3, my friend. Yeah, not sure. Not oh, sure. It yeah, looks yeah, good. Just, right. Okay. Brilliant. But wait till the new <laughs> A9 comes out. Like, uh, yeah. I'm not being funny. If the past three years of camera releases have showed us anything, it's it's just a dick measuring competition. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah. it's here's our camera. Two months yeah. later, here's ours. That is yeah. the same, but one thing is slightly better. Like yeah, everyone. I remember when everyone was raving about like the R5, R6 mirrorless from Canon, and yeah. they were like, "Oh, are you going to swap to mirrorless?" I'm like, "No, not yet. Like, yeah. I'm not ready yet. I've not seen anything that makes me go." Whoo. That R three, that yeah, but th- this needs to be a discussion because, in my opinion, with this, um, the I think two or three years ago, the the, the battle and the debate was was big. Yeah. Now that we're seeing cameras being released, like Sony released two cameras a year now, Canon are releasing two cameras a year now. Like now that we're seeing the development being so fast, yeah, you, like financially, people just can't keep up with this development. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. So like, I, I'm in not, my, I wouldn't in say my I'm opinion, drop. there's no fucking point. Yeah. Like, the difference between Sony and Canon, and bear in mind, like I've just shot a weekend where George, the videographer I was shooting with, shoots over a Panasonic and a Sony system, both crop sensors. He doesn't shoot full frame because he wants that. He crop wants him. to be as far away from the from the bride and groom as possible, so he's not in the way of things. Yep. But he wants to get them close up shots, so he's shooting on a Micro Four Thirds and a and a um, APS-C sensor. And looking at the footage, there's no difference in quality. Yeah, like. like, like that's the thing no like difference. i I'll, I'll not jump on the r3 as soon as it goes on sale but it is when i come to upgrade and yeah. you know change up my gear in the next couple of years which will happen in the next couple of years i thought mm. you know maybe 18 months might um i don't know but, the, but then, it, but then might, this is... it'll be a case of like do i upgrade before the commonwealth games or after the commonwealth games don't know mm. depends how well my kit you're gonna need to do it with year. plenty of time yeah like all of these so things you can you get used to it. but like it's the r3 is a system that i could really have a then, interesting look into is, is more the I point think by the time you get around to doing it there'll be the R3 oh, Mark yeah, II yeah, yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. like there'll yeah, be the newer well, version yeah whatever and but then, like that's, that's and, the first mirrorless is... I know this has gone way off of hacks but like yeah, yeah. that R3 system from what I've seen is the first mirrorless camera Canon system where I I could kind of get behind it like yeah, I can yeah, I can I see that. me using that I couldn't see me using an R5 R6 but I can see me getting on board with a with an R3 an R3 it just looks the sort of thing that I could get on anyway that's that's not camera yeah, hacks. We, we need to record a separate podcast yeah, for yeah, yeah, yeah. just we just we just need a yeah. camera talk one. oh my god you know what we should do go on like we should do a podcast when they like do a a live stream of the Ooh, release yes. of cameras we could go to tech events 
Yes, that would we be could sick. Go, we could go to camera events when they do camera launches. <gasps> yes. Ooh. Oh, my God. It's like we're having a meeting live on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, okay, so, okay, so let's move through to yeah, yeah. post-production hacks. This is going to be, I would imagine, bear in mind we are 45 minutes in. This yeah. is probably going to be the biggest bit. Like We're, we're going to go over so. an hour. Yeah, like I guess so. I don't, I, mm, I don't know if I've got any hacks particularly. What? You don't have any post-production hacks? You've got... Wait, you do way more post-production stuff with, like, the metadata and stuff like that, which I would say is a big hack for your kind of industry. Like... Yeah, okay. Well, metadata, it's a bit like that, or it's just the work thing that you were saying about from an event, like... Yeah, okay, no, no. I'm not talking about do the metadata. I'm talking about, like, what tools you use, because you used to use... Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Okay, so... That, for me, is a hack. Right, so let's run through my workflow then. So I will go after an event after a race whatever it is put my cards into my laptop and then i use a piece of software called photo mechanic um and that picks up my cards it will then as it's basically importing everything that i've shot off of that card it's applying a new name it's putting it into the right folder and it's applying any metadata once i've then got that all of those images and that that like unless i'm if i'm shooting jpeg like I can dump a 64 gig card of, you know, completely full with images. I can dump it within about five minutes. It doesn't take very long. And that's rewriting yeah. everything as it goes. And then, yeah, basically once I've got everything in Photo Mechanic, um, then I'll look at my rated images. Um, I'll go through, I'll quickly like, meta tag anything that needs a specific name. And that's because if you rate it on the back of your camera, Photo Mechanic will pull that rating yeah, through. Yeah, it'll pull the rating and down. And it'll keep it onto yeah. the raw file, yeah. uh, onto Provide, the JPEG Providing file that I haven't rated the wrong card in my camera because my camera shoots dual <laughs> cards, which, and I have done that before, whether I've gone, where are my ratings? Oh, shit, they're on my other card, which I haven't gone to my laptop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I can, because it pulls all that information, I can then basically look at the rated images only, grab the ones I want by just basically tagging them um, because it's got a tagging feature as well. And then I'll just basically grab those images and, and drop them straight into Lightroom. And because of how I've got Lightroom set up, um, it will just, it won't, it won't like recreate those photos into another folder. It'll just basically work off of those photos from that folder that it's already in. And then it'll apply whatever preset I then give it. Um, and then nine times out of a hundred, that's everything. Uh, sorry, nine times out of ten. Nine times out of a hundred would be an awful ratio. <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry, nine times out of ten, it, that's basically everything. Um, I don't really then do a great deal else apart from like a crop so, and straighten. So basically, the hack the hack is thinking about meta- metadata because what what's the hack behind it? What does metadata do for your images? Like, just uh, explain that because so as, there's, like, there's, I yeah, don't d- use metadata. Uh, no, you don't. You should do that. I don't you, use like, metadata really should at all. Do. Yeah, but it's because your your photos go through to web and to publications. Yep. My photos go to Instagram, and it doesn't make a whole lot of difference nope. on Instagram. Yeah. So I, for Get me, that. it's a step where I'm like, okay, it, it's definitely something I have done, and I've thought of why shouldn't I do it? Yeah, there's stuff if that, I was, yeah. So there's so right. There's two things that I use metadata for. One of them, I implore any photographer to do, any photographer, regardless of whether you shoot cars, weddings, portraits, dogs, erotica. Like, I don't really care what you photograph. Um, I don't know if it works the same for video, but if, you photo- if you're photographing stuff, photographing really. stuff, um, then you should, I believe, always have your, like, name, 
um oh yeah company name like urls what uh, rights are reserved for those images embedded to every single image and if you don't use photo mechanic or you don't use anything like that you can do it in lightroom like lightroom has that ability yeah. you can set a preset which will basically add all of your personal business photographer information into that image as you go and like every photo should have that in my opinion yeah no so don't like I do that. My like David Duffin photography is on every image that I export. Good. So Good like boy. every Lightroom because it's it's just a, it's not even something I have to add. As soon as I yeah. import to Lightroom, yeah. it just puts it. It just drops it yeah. on. See that um, that's metadata, I and I the, I don't go into no. the detail yeah, as yeah, you yeah. do. So the detail for me, um, I will add. I did an Instagram story on this a while ago. Um, I will add. Uh, what do we do? So date, time location of where it's being shot um i'll then add a description which is usually like um the the description will usually run along the lines of um this wording so it'll be um during the whatever event um you know if it's two teams i'll then list the team so if it's you know during the euro 2021 final between Italy and England at Wembley Stadium on the whatever date it was um, and then that that's basically set up for my description um, and then for each image after that if it's a certain player it, I'll then put their name and their team and whatever before that description so like you know if I've taken a, I mean I wouldn't and I haven't but if I'd taken a photo of Harry Kane at the Euro finals that description would ultimately read Harry Kane of England or mm. captain of England um, during the Euro 2020 final between England and Italy at Wembley Stadium on the yeah. whatever date. And that will be the description. So then what that does is then when I end up, when I load up to like syndication and distribution and stuff later, um, all of that information is there for um like people to search really, really quickly. So if you go to Shutterstock, which yeah. is where my stuff goes up to, and you search for, I don't know. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. the example yeah. you just ha used. Well, yeah, I mean, you, you couldn't do it for me because I haven't shot that photo. But if I'd uploaded that photo and you'd gone Harry Kane, uh, you'd be able to basically see all the photos that are listed for him. If you type went to something like Shutterstock or Getty or whatever, and you typed in Euro Finals, or you typed in Wembley, or you typed in Vitality Neville Super League, or you typed in you know Gallagher Premiership Final, or you type like whatever you know Formula One Silverstone, like Lewis Hamilton or whatever, it will pull all that information back. So like that information is really really key. Press use that for um, descriptions for their images. Uh, that they put online or in print. Um, what I also then have is basically a, a kind of a shorthand repeat of that, um, which helps for tagging. Um, um, there's also then tags for like the sport um, that I will put in as well. So it will say netball or yeah. you know rugby or rugby union or cricket or whatever it might be. Um, what else in there? Yeah, who then owns the rights to those photos? Is always in there so david duffin it will yeah it for you it will be david duffin sometimes for me it's me 
but sometimes it's England yeah. netball, sometimes it's World Triathlon, sometimes it's British Triathlon, Vitality yeah. Netball, Super League, you know, Loughborough Lightning, Loughborough Sport, whatever franchise, so whatever. For example, when we did the England Netball kit launch, mm-hmm. they were what England Netball Nike. They were, Eng- they were, they were Ben Eng- They're England Netball owned. The yeah. licenses set to me and England Netball. Yeah. Um, and then England Netball's like address and contact details are all in that meta file as well. So that yeah. when someone pulls it up and goes, oh, actually, I want to use that photo, like, oh, who does it belong to? Yeah, you yeah. can dig into the info for that photo and then find all that contact information so you know exactly who yeah. you're photographing. And then if I use, if I'm distributing stuff out, you know, via Shutterstock and Rex features, then there's a category system that we use as well for sport. Um, yeah. But yeah, apart from that, um, there's not a whole lot else that I, I would say that like, sounds like a lot but I've yeah. pre-populated that beforehand like literally yeah, the, the only thing I'm adding on those images during or or during or after an event is basically who what that picture Who's is so is it a specific player or individual is it an action shot is it a warm-up shot you know team talks like if it's a, so if it's a generic of, description I'll add that in as well or if it's a specific yeah. player or individual and I'll add those but in terms of like actually putting these on, I'm assuming then you go to your photo mechanic, you've got a list of presets and you've got um you've got Luff for Lightning, you'll have England Netball, you'll have yep. um International Triathlon. Yep. Um so you're saving them as presets. Yeah. I just wanted to make that clear because anyone listening to this that's thinking, Oh, this sounds like a ton of work. I remember you setting these up maybe two years ago, like setting up your yeah, like your I, new standard of how yeah, you were yeah. gonna do it. Yeah, but and I know that you ago. still refresh them and <laughs> and you still like go into them and change them and yep. for each event. But this isn't something where like every like if you deliver a hundred photos from a netball game, then you're not going in each and every one and typing all this up manually. Like you've got a preset, you're going in and yeah. altering that preset for each yeah, image. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately, like the bulk of the work, 90 percent of that work is already done in a preset yeah, yeah. for you. Uh, yeah, and and like as it's what I can do is I can like bulk edit all of that as well. So like if I've got, yeah. if I've shot a hundred games from a netball, hundred games from a netball, I'm so tired. If I have <laughs> shot a hundred images from images. a netball game and a hundred of, sorry, 75 of a hundred of those are like of multiple players. Yeah. So they're wide angle shots or they're action shots that have got more than one player in them then I'll just bulk edit everything and just say it's an yeah. action shot during such and such a game yeah. at such and such location. If it's then a specific individual and you can really see it's an individual, then I'll tag it individually. And I've yeah. set up what are called code replacements. So I'll basically, I don't have to type Harry Kane, captain of England every time because when I'm yeah. typing quickly, I don't always spell things, the, the right <laughs> words. Um, I So that I, I've set, there's basically a, I've got a document per game, per team, whatever it might be. Yeah. And it would be, you know, if I, if I had photos of Harry Kane at the Euro 2020 final, that code replacement would be set up. So if all I'd have to type was probably HK. Yeah. And then photo mechanic would know, providing that I typed it in the right way, you have to like use yes. Yeah backslashes and stuff but if i just basically type that in it will then turn that ramble code into a full string and go yeah. right well this means harry kane captain of england you know yeah and that's how, that's how we do it and um that Sweet. then pulls over and stays in lightroom so that when i've exported everything out of in lightroom like um yeah, it's all saved in that metadata and but, but and that and and the presets that i use for images in lightroom you know, contrast curves and 
camera calibrations and lens choices and all that kind of stuff like that yeah. speeds the workflow up like yeah the amount of times that i used to get fed up of clicking the same bloody contrast setting like regardless yeah. oh well yeah. every photo is minus 20 so i'm going to click it to yeah. minus 20 or even worse i'm going to move the slider to minus 20 which is just painstaking whenever uh, i edit a photo on my phone or i go back and i like i'm about to post and i'm like oh it's just a touch overexposed or underexposed it's the worst thing having to use the sliders i never yeah. use the sliders even when i edit on the computer yeah i just click and type what because i know because you, you can look you know, at an image and you yeah, like if you you're know. like oh it's not contrasty enough you're like well i know that 25 contrast is going to do that or a tone curve on medium contrast is going to do that like you just, yeah. you just use your mouse and just click yeah. it it's so much and, faster and if you've like i know because i've seen your presets like your you've got so i have presets for basically um is it color jpeg is yeah. it color raw yeah is it indoor color jpeg because yeah. i will always pull the contrast down on that because mm. indoor lighting usually looks a bit contrasty so i just soften yeah, yeah. it up a bit um and that's really what i have i got like some black and white ones and stuff um mm. and i have i set ones up for like when i was shooting the netball because the venue was the same all the time so once yeah. i've like dialed it in i just set one and just worked on that but i i know you've got ones for like increase Specific. exposure and like yeah. decrease contrast so you'll basically just go in and go uh you won't even click, like click, move click, a slider click. yeah you'll just basically yeah. that one that one that one because and, and that comes that comes down to knowing the craft like we spoke about a couple of weeks back like this is mainly for the cars so i'll go into a car photo i'm shooting them in jpeg now um hey. and i and i know that 95 percent of that on the back of the camera is is perfect to the point where i'm not even double I, when i first started doing it i was i would do two photos just in case yeah. and just slightly change the exposure not even doing that anymore i'm getting it perfect in camera spending a little bit more time on shoot My and boy. then but, th but this was going to be one of my hacks was to save as many presets yeah. or as little presets as you want. So I will go into my cars section of my presets and I've got, and it sounds stupid because you can just click like white balance, daylight, white balance, shadows, but it's two clicks. Whereas yeah, I've yeah. got daylight shadows, yep. uh, daylight shade, uh, cloudy, whatever. And I've got them saved as presets for it to automatically yep. pull that across. Why, why do two clicks when click. you can do one click? Exactly. Why? So if I have to change that, a few times yep. like throughout a, a 30 image set for a car then it's just easier yep. but I also know as soon as I see a photo of a car if it's too contrasty or if I need a bit more exposure so I've got plus one exposure plus two exposure yep. I would say on the so use presets is my first hack because mm -hmm. especially if you shoot in um, this a very similar thing in a very similar location all the time yeah. like I sh when I shoot cars this week Every car I've shot has been direct sunlight, bright as anything. Yeah, I'm surprised. And like the editing has been super easy because it's been the same thing every single day. Like I've been, it's, it's not taken me long to edit these photos mm. because they all look the same. Whereas you go three, four weeks back, I was shooting a car in the morning. It was a great, like we had a nice, fairly low um, sun and it was mm. really bright. Two hours later, it had come over cloudy. So when I'm editing that, there's a difference. So I yeah. needed to use different white balances. I needed to, or, you know, slightly adjust them. I needed to change my exposure on a couple because either I'd not, I'd not clicked it properly in my camera. Like I'd not, I'd not, you know, noticed the difference yeah, yeah. in real life because sometimes you just, you miss these things. Um, so it just made, it just made the editing process quicker using presets. And I would say on my portraits as well, I do l smaller presets. So I'll do, 
uh, I've got a skin calibration because I, I'm not a huge fan of the Sony natural skin. Yeah. Um, so I'll just yeah, I remember you showed me that before. Yeah, yeah. And it's the smallest adjustment, but, but the moment it drops into my images, you see the you see yeah. the difference in the skin yeah. tones. And, and I remember when I first started, <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, well, presets for like wildly changing photos, and if you yeah. you need to go and buy preset packs and stuff." And actually, yeah. that's not what presets are for the majority of us. What presets no. are are just ways to turn, you know, ten clicks to know that mm-hmm. you get a certain look on a certain photo and turn yeah. it into one click and it's about shortening yeah. your workflow because yeah. you know if like you i mean you you said earlier you do like five sometimes you'll do 500 images a, a shoot for yeah you know for a model I edit 500 no, no, no. Images. What, what will you then bring that down to uh pff, if let's say there's if i've done 500 let's say there's 10 outfits for that 500 so i've got yep. 50 per outfit yeah i might pull that down to 100 images 150 okay. images so 100 so call let's it, say 100. Call it 100 images right so you're working on 100 images if you can edit all of those photos in your style the way you like it based on the fact that you've got nearly all of it right in camera mm. if you can get the editing process down to you know, 20 clicks yeah as opposed to having an editing process that's 6,000 clicks because it's all yeah. like tweaking it here, tweaking it there. Yeah. I don't, I don't really see, no, I, you know, I don't, I don't see uh, the point. No, but, me and this is, and this is why over the past, like probably, especially the past like six months, I've really, I've really gone in hard on my presets and like, I've got the smallest adjustment presets for, um, the most, the most used preset I used is my vignette and, uh, camera, um, one of those white uh, vignettes. Lens profile. One of the white yeah, vignettes. The one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, those really classy Blurry ones well. you get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, so the vignette I use on almost every image, you can barely see it because it's not really a vignette. I, brace, I basically bring the roundness to, so it's the most circular um, it can be, so it's quite close to the edges. Yeah. I then feather it 100 so that you can't, you couldn't look at the edge. And and then I also adjust the, the highlights in my vignette so that it's affecting almost the entire image straight down to the middle. Um so it's a very subtle vignette, but when you look at it before and after, it focus. If you're centralizing yeah, yeah. your subject, yeah. it just focuses. And I don't use this on every image, but nine times out of ten, when I do a moody headshot, so like um, the portraits I did with Catherine, I recently posted them. Uh, the portraits I did with Catherine, she's wearing a beret. I used it on that because the way that it changed, the way that the, like the light was um, angling towards her hair, it changed the highlights and shadows in her hair without me having to go in and brush yeah. this in this just did it for me because it was a vignette that was heavily yeah. um it was heavily uh, feathered and it was heavily affecting the but if you know like you're repeatedly doing that whenever you mm. vignette regardless of whether you vignette every image or whether you vignette you yeah. know one out of seven images if you mm. know that you always do the same vignette all the time and actually it's a five or six click process then why not mm. set it up as a preset yeah, so that you exactly, know it's, yeah. and then if you need to because, like move it slightly then that's different yeah. you know if you need to move its but position then that's something different I, i've got such a style with this vignette that i don't use any other anytime i ever chuck a vignette on it feels way too harsh mm. before i feather it 100 and, yeah. and make it rounder like it i feel like i've got such a style with it now that 
if I ever jump in and just play with the vignette, uh, sorry, without putting the preset on, I jump in, no vignette, and I start adding, I realize that I'm just going for closer and closer to what my preset is. So I may as well just use my preset and then yeah. go backwards from there if, if I want to, but I never really do. And then the other one is my lens profiles, like auto lens profile, click a button, and it'll automatically pick it up. Yep. Granted, some lenses, it doesn't always grab it. Um, you know, if you're switching between lenses fast and you maybe not clipped it on properly or whatever, it might not pull that through in the metadata or whatever. I don't know. Sometimes it doesn't work on my 24 mil for some reason. Don't know if that's a Samyang thing, might need a firmware update. But, yeah, maybe well. But, you know, um, th- I use that on every image and that's it's actually an auto import that as soon as my clips import, it goes to that. But um, sometimes I'll then use a preset like the Peter McKinnon presets if I'm doing more of a style shoot and I'll yeah. pull a Peter McKinnon preset, which holy crap are the most harsh edited things I've ever seen in my life. But the interesting uh, but thing the- as well is that like they won't look harsh on his stuff because he shoots yeah. it in his camera in a yeah. certain way, yeah, which yeah. is why it yeah. works. There's two or three from his preset pack that I, I use on a semi, I'd say like maybe if I do 10 shoots, I'll use it one in 10 of them shoots mm. on a select few of them yeah, images. Yeah. And I know that they work well with the way I shoot and the, the, my style of camera and stuff, but the rest of them I barely use. Um, I've even put them in different folders because I just don't, I don't need to touch them. They're just way too harsh for, yeah. for what I shoot. But um, if I ever chuck one of his presets on, it'll wipe. For some reason, a lot of his don't have auto picture profiles on, mm. so it wipes that data. So yeah. I have to go back, go back in and in use and it. Fix it. But that's that's my most used because you always want your lens corrections yeah. on. I mean, um, I, you sent me something earlier this week, I think it was a reel or a TikTok or whatever, and it was a parody oh, yeah. of a photographer singing about the fact that she charges so much money because it takes her so long to do stuff. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's funny. Don't get me wrong. It is quite funny. Um, but the reality is, like for me, in, in, in my world, I guess, I'm, I I don't want to be paid for how well I edit a photo. Yeah. Yeah. I want to be paid. You want to be for, paid out how well you shoot it. Yeah. Like how well I can, I make that photo, like, how well I make that photo look great. Yeah. And I don't want to get there by editing. I want to be able to get there by getting it right in the first place. It's kind of like Queen, isn't it? Like you look at Queen, the, I don't know how this just came to me. When you said that, I kind of thought That's back to a like- a massive sidestep. Yeah, but whenever you look at, whenever you look at what Queen did, they would release, oh, they would right, release sorry. Like an album. Sorry, right. You mean m- musically Queen? Yeah, yeah, the musically, band, yeah, yeah. The rock not band the Queen. Queen. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah rock the, band, not, yeah, yeah. Not our- head of state no, not right, our okay, queen. Cool. I was like but how like, on earth have you got there mentally <laughs> like that's huge yeah when she's ripping it on, yeah, on, yeah. A, on a double bass no she, so when Queen would release a uh, song or an album or whatever like they would they would finesse it in the studio and they'd spend time finessing it but they really loved playing it live because they could change it and they yeah. could play with it that way and like and it's the same thing like you don't love editing your photos like I know you don't like it's not like a huge part of your selling point no, because really. Because you're sat in a room on a laptop on your own and like, let's face it, it's boring as shit. Like Mm. one of the biggest burnouts in this industry is sitting and editing on your own. And that's why co-working is becoming such a popular thing at the moment because there's more and more people doing it. And, you know, mental health is a, we spoke about in the last one, it's a a major thing. And, um, and I think from your point of view, it's, it's actually being on set on, you know, in a, in an arena at an event, shooting, getting that energy, showing the client on the back of the camera and like getting them reactions and things like that. Like that's where the love for this comes from. It's not sitting in front, it's not sitting in front of a computer for three, four hours, just editing 
a handful of images. Yeah. And I see this so much, so much in the wedding industry. And I, I see it a lot recently because... Like I said, I, I was second shooting with George last week. It was my wedding recently, so we've been asked a lot of questions about this. I see photographers on my Instagram that, that are wedding photographers, and I have nothing against wedding photographers. If you want to do weddings, that's great. I've done it. I'm not a fan of it. It isn't for me. They go out and shoot 8,000 images at a wedding, which in my opinion is a st- stupid amount of images okay you could be there for 10 12 hours shooting so fair enough like i could probably do the same but what's the fucking point on the flip of that they will then sit there for 10 12 hours after the event editing the photos and they'll chuck out two or three thousand edits and they'll be like here you go Pick your favourites. Yeah. And I'll tell you now, when we got our wedding edits for, through from Ben, Ben asked me a question like the day after the <laughs> wedding. These are the photos you're getting, like, shut up. <laughs> but no, you said to me, how many do you want? Are, yeah. are we thinking like, like, do you want me to go ham and do like a 600 edit? Yeah. 600, still really low for, a, yeah, for yeah. a wedding photographer. Or do you want me to just pick the best? And I was like, look, pick the fucking best because I'm not going to look at 600 images. Yeah, yeah. And th- this and is we, the reality. We sat in our living room, we, we, we plugged the computer into the TV and we had friends over, we had a couple of beers and we were sat looking through the images. It took us almost an hour. And I think, how many did you get? It was 161 yeah, images or something like that. There, like, wasn't, there wasn't a lot. A lot. And we and sat actually, there looking actually, through. In, in reality, like if that had been a, you know, I, I was shooting cricket the following day and I, I wouldn't <laughs> have wanted to deliver back 160 photos of a, a couple yeah. of hours worth of cricket. But actually in reality, like, your wedding was a, was a longer day. So 160 is yeah. all right for me. Like I, yeah. I didn't feel yeah. too bad, but yeah, like you want the best ones. Like, but we I didn't, want- this is my point that we didn't miss a moment. Like no. we got everything from the photos yeah. and still at the end of it, we were like, yeah, there's quite a lot of photos. My, and the we thing that still gets me, now are picking yeah. the best. Like we're still now like, like getting the best ones. You know, to print. Some of these are better yeah. than some of the others. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I feel like if you chucked another 400 on top of that, yeah, I'd, yeah. I'd be, I'd struggle. I'd just like, you gave us what, maybe, maybe eight, 10 portraits, like really good set of portraits of me mm-hmm. and Megan. And it's like the, out of them portraits so far, I've chosen three that are my favorites. So if the success rate is, let's say, three out of ten are your favourites, why deliver 30? Like, what's the fucking point? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, there's, there's no need. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I get, I get so annoyed seeing wedding photographers. I think that's what that reel you were talking about. I think she was a wedding photographer. Yeah, I got the sense she was a wedding photographer or a portrait photographer. I just get so annoyed when I hear them talking. And I was talking to the photographer at this wedding at the weekend, and she was like, like she was, I was saying to her, like, oh, when are you going to get the photos out? And she was like, oh, it'll be a, it'll be a few weeks, it'll be a yeah, month or like so. That, that's and I'm what like, I, that's what staggers me is when photographers, and it isn't just weddings, there's lots of other photographers you go oh, yeah, to. It's, oh, yeah, it's out yeah, it's, uh, it'll be six weeks before you get it back. I'm like, yeah. what? I've proper, yeah. like, the following day I've moved on to something else. Like, I'm like, I can't sit I, there I, on I'm, it. I'm looking at a camera, she's got two 5D Mark IVs, and I'm like, you're not shooting on film, you know? Like, you don't need to go get this shit developed. Yeah, like, yeah. You've got an SD card in, just plug it in and fucking do it. Yeah. To the point where I shot, we shot this wedding on Saturday. Saturday. The ceremony, which is a 40 minute long video edit. Anyone that has edited a 40 minute long film, it. I finished it in three hours. It took me three hours to do. Because what's the fucking point? Like, just get it done, just sit and do it. It doesn't take, it's people stress over stuff and they, they don't want to cut 
good footage, and I'm using air quotes here, they don't want to go cut good footage because they've got three amazing shots of the same fucking thing from different angles. Just pick one. Yep. Fucking pick one and Be say that, that's one. the one they're going to have. Yeah. Like, it's so it's so easy to get stuck in this. And I, um, I, what did I do? I delivered like 60 middle of the, well, early, the day. early evening. Like, yeah. early evening at the sit down. Yeah. You had about six, I think, from memory. And then, yeah, I delivered everything else back the following day but like the next morning at the end of the at the end of the day like it, it works for everyone out everyone works in a slightly different way but f- but for yeah. me shooting what i shoot how i shoot it in this in the sports world like i don't want to be sat editing for hours and hours yeah. and a, a lot of that comes down to the fact that if i'm working an event you know if i'm working a triathlon yeah okay the race is only two hours long but the reality is that that could be a 10 hour day yeah by the time you know you got up and prepped everything and you traveled traveled down to the venue whatever it might be and you've done all the warm-up stuff in the venue and done all the other content and bits and pieces that you need to do and and then you've shot the race and then you need to edit the race afterwards and you know a two-hour race might be a 10-hour day it could be really really busy you know i don't really want to like extend that day (laughs) like exactly i remember like for the first couple rounds of the netball when the netball while i was trying to like figure out the best way to navigate it yeah like i'd do a a four game sunday which was 12 till half seven eight o'clock something like that and i was there two hours beforehand getting set up and sorted and make sure i'd have everything in place and then i'd been editing through the day as well so i'd be like shooting a game and then editing it halfway through the game at the end of the game and but then i'd go back into the hotel room and i'd edit uh, another bunch of like the commercial side of things which you know i also need to deliver some of those days mate were like 14 hour days and uh, like why would you extend that by increasing like lots of clicks or manually having to type everything in all the time like the big hacks for me are the ones that like speed my workflow up the faster mm. i can work through things the better the only yeah. the other thing that i would say is a bit of a hack for me like po- in post is um like how i store data so i'll store data on a on an external drive that i class as a working drive which i have with me all the time mm. if i'm away on the road i'll then once i've uploaded everything once i've put everything onto that drive from that day you know good bad good photos bad photos like everything goes on there i then duplicate that onto another working drive so i've got like a backup of that drive so if my cards fail i've got it backed up if that hard drive fails i've got it backed up again yeah and then when i eventually get back home from whatever it is i've then got a big master drive which if you look on the video, not that we're doing anything with the video, I don't think, although I'd quite like to put the video on YouTube because it won't go in quite well. well yeah, so. but I don't think it records that high quality. Well, we'll I don't see. even think it's 720p. That there, where my headphones are sat on, is my master yeah. drive. Oh, um, is that the Seagate one? Yeah. Um, and so That's then got, every, well. everything from that weekend, from that week, wherever it might be, then goes onto that drive. And I yeah. then it then comes off of the backup drive. So I've then got it, like consistently got it in lots of different places and it's mm. all up in the cloud. Anything that goes into Lightroom is then up in the cloud. And like all of those yeah. little things are, are a hack, but actually they give you a lot of peace of mind as well. Yeah. Um, in t- so moving on from uh, from using that, the, the the absolute biggest hack that I use, probably the the most useful one are keyboard shortcuts and this is across the board in photoshop lightroom premiere audition everything yeah. um 
And it's something when I first started learning how to edit in Premiere Pro that a lot of people would say to you and you'd kind of think, right, yeah. Seriously, if you're on a Mac, go click, load up Premiere Pro, load up Lightroom, whatever. Click on the little logo at the top left, press on preferences or keyboard settings or whatever it is. Keyboard shortcuts thing comes out. Look at your keyboard shortcuts. Look at what they are. Change them if you want. Because the moment you you learn your key, and I don't, talk, I'm not talking basics like, you know, when you're in Premiere, there's C to cut, and then there's V to get back to your standard mouse. I'm talking things that are going to legitimately work, speed up your workflow. So one of the things when I'm editing video in Premiere Pro is render. I want to render my footage. Now people would be happy. You get the little red, green, or yellow line across the top of your footage. It tells you if it's rendered or not. A lot of people would be happy with a yellow line. Now, I don't like to use proxies too much if I'm not um, if I'm not editing a very big piece. So if I'm editing 4K footage at 60 frame, quite a high bit rate, I want to render everything. So the moment I've dropped that clip in, after I've previewed it in my preview window, I want to... I want that to be rendered so the sound quality is good. It's not going to cut out. The video quality is good. I can watch it back at a minimum of a half of a, a half rate playback. So I set my command up so it's control and enter. If you just press enter, it will only render when the clip is red. Control and enter for me, make sure that it renders everything, whether it's yellow or not, so that... Okay, this might take slightly bit more time because I'm rendering clips constantly, so it's slowing me down in that sense. But when it comes to halfway, three quarters of the way and close to the finish of the project, my my computer isn't going slow. I'm not destroying my processor because I've rendered nothing for the entire thing. I'm rendering as I go and I'm using the render time to go and have small breaks from the screen, grab a coffee, glass of water, whatever. I'm using these two or three minutes here or there to do them things and I'm making sure my computer isn't dying and at at the end of every project I can sit press play and watch it back in full without any lag, without any anything. And it just makes my life so much easier. And this yeah. isn't just rendering. This is in Premiere, uh, in uh, Lightroom. You can use your plus and minus keys to, ju- to either up your exposure or your contrast. So if you go to the settings on the right-hand side, you could click on the exposure, just a single click on it, and then you can use plus and minus, and it'll add 0.1 of exposure or minus 0.1 of exposure. And you can set that up, and it, it, that is preset on Lightroom, but you can set that up to be whatever keys you want. So like I said earlier, if I jump in and I'm like, okay, this this photo of a car is underexposed, I'll jump it up by one exposure with my preset, so I'll click on that, and then I'll look at my histogram. Am I too much? Am I still too little? And then I go in and I fine tune it with the plus and minus. So I might want to be at 1.3. Well, I don't have a preset for 1.3 because I'm not insane. So I'll add plus one, one click. I'll then tap my plus button three times. So there's been four taps and I've got it to where I want it. And it's the fastest thing. So I would say no matter what program you're using, it doesn't even have to be Adobe, just any programs you're using, any shortcuts you're using, Look at the presets. Look at the hotkeys. Look at how you do that. I know guys that, um, like businessmen, that have a lot of meetings and they do a lot of Zoom stuff and calendar stuff and things like that. And I see them work in Google calendars and they know all the Google calendar shortcuts. And they can fucking make an event or a reminder or whatever in Google calendar without touching the mic without touching the mouse, without touching anything, they just load the page up, do a couple of shortcuts, type it in, done. And within seconds, they've got it. And that for them, from a business point of view, if they need to quickly add, if, they just, if they've got two minutes, you know, where they can whip the laptop out yeah. and do it, they can just do it fast. And, a lot and of, it's all about speeding up that process. Yeah, and a lot of this, a lot of these hacks, you know, 
my pre-populated metadata before an event and sorting out folders and stuff and and your like keyboard shortcuts and all that kind of stuff what it involves is a little bit of taking the time when you've got some time to get all of these things in place and set all these systems and stuff up and then once you've got all the systems up and running like it's then really really easy you just have to invest Mm. a bit of time like i did like 18 months ago like invest a bit of time in just making sure it's all set up ready and you understand how it works and then you can just deploy it whenever you want and it just exactly it just removes that thinking time like the less you're having to think about the in like little bits like the little insignificant things that we do and the more you can just focus on the craft and more you can just focus on what you're creating and i think ultimately that's that's the better place to be yeah i would say as well like on the back of that because it's a very good point um a lot of people romanticize with being a creative or being a photographer or videographer or whatever, but they don't see that when you set your, there's the, the more obvious stuff, like when you set a business up, okay, you've got to register for your tax. You've got to do all this like business registering <laughs> and you've got to like keep, you know, keep track of all this and like, that's boring yeah, yeah. stuff. Like that's your yeah, Tuesday yeah. stuff that you've yeah, got to yeah. do. But a lot of people early on in, in starting a business or going freelance or whatever, they don't see that these things, these little like, setting up your keyboard shortcuts it could take you an hour to do it like you could edit for a month and then think is there a quick way of this i'm going to sit down for an hour and just figure out a faster way to sit and do it it could take you an hour and if it does believe me you will get that hour back within the next 100 times over yeah 100 times over easily and and it's little things like this at the beginning of every freelance business you ask any creative ever they will always have something that they set up a year ago minimum that they still use today and they're like yep if i didn't do that this would be harder or if i didn't do um if i didn't add these um get this folder preparation sorted then this would be harder now and uh, i want to bring george on to this maybe as our first guest in a few weeks a guest i know three uh, george george went through a uh, uh, process after university of um kind of being in a bit of a creative rut Mm -hmm. and we i mean you spoke to him about some stuff i spoke to him a lot about stuff about setting the business up and we spoke to him a lot about like look you've just got to put the work in you've got to do this you've got to do that and george has been silent george was silent for a lot of last year yeah he went real quiet last last year year. like we didn't hear from him for like there was a couple of months that went by where i didn't speak to him for ages and i was saying to you like i think he's dropped off the map i don't think he's gonna um i don't think he's gonna do this this uh, wedding video thing that he keeps talking about if you remember he came around to mine and then Mm. we didn't see him for like three months yeah and um and then out of the blue all of a sudden he comes out and he's like look i've done this i've done this i've done that he'd the what he was doing was going away spending time hammering work so that he could then invest in equipment and after shooting a wedding with him last weekend i can 100 say that the time he invested in research yeah like just research what do i need to do not hands-on practical stuff research he has the knowledge of shooting weddings that i have never had and i shot weddings for like three years like he's really gone away and done himself justice and he's taken that time and there's there's often memes you see on like instagram and stuff of like oh disappear for six months and you'll come back loads better like he totally yeah totally yeah. executed oh, that it. like yeah. brilliantly yeah. um and yeah like it's it's right where you what you were saying earlier like people have this romantic idea of what a creative is 
you know, and I'd love it to just be me wandering around with a camera all day long and like <laughs> sitting in coffee shops and just being arty. But the reality of being a working creative is is very different. And you know, yeah. you do need to go away and spend six months and put the graft in like George has. And you know, you then reap the rewards later on. Yeah, you know, you do time. need to sit down and like figure out pieces of software like Photo Mechanic and shortcut keys, and you know, figure yeah. out. Premiere Pro and you know figure out your and camera and your sensors and you know because what happens is because you invest that time yeah you reap it later on and rather than yeah. what a lot of creatives do is they go well I've, I've got no work on you know or I've, I've got nothing to shoot for a little while you know I've not really got anything to do actually no you have this is where you double down on yeah you know everything else and you know I've got a little bit of this at the minute where I've not got a, there's not a lot of work on at the moment which is absolutely how i've teed it up like it's it's all by its own making mm. but now while i've got some time this is when i'm now getting back into youtube this is when i'm putting yeah. some time into this podcast with you and yeah you know I'm, I'm working on some other stuff and you know looking to create some new courses and stuff that i haven't done for 12 18 months and yeah you know it's it's allowing me to to double down into other things which i'll reap the rewards of later yeah, and, exactly. and, and that's the trick it like there is this romantic ideal of being creative and the reality of being a working creative is, is wildly different and i would say if you don't if you're thinking if you listen to us now and you, you just don't believe it you're like oh yeah whatever L- let's just bring two major um creatives to the to to, to the front and like highlight it Meaning. casey neistat oh, okay, yeah, became yeah, famous and yeah like big overnight when he started his daily his yeah, daily yeah. vlogs but what people didn't see was the all of the thousands of failed tv shows yeah. or failed pictures well, he that he yeah. t- took to like he had a tv show with his brother on yeah. hbo like, that's huge yeah have you ever seen it because i've never i've never no, seen it i'm, I'm aware without of it. him I, rem- I remember, it, yeah, I remember it, it being a thing. I never, I never watched it at yeah. the time, but I do remember it being a thing. And I remember when I found Casey Neistat a couple of years ago, I was like, oh yeah, I remember the Neistat brothers. I don't remember ever watching it, but I do remember mm. it being a thing. Yeah, like, you know, he's, uh, he was, he became this overnight success, but actually in reality, yeah. he didn't really pop on YouTube from the very first vlog he ever did. No. He, he popped like a hundred episodes in. Yeah, I found That's him on he... episode 93. Yeah. Is he... when he dropped onto my radar. And I don't even think it was because of you. I think it was. No, no, no. I got like, into him I started like way getting late. more into. Yeah, yeah. I started getting more into just like I was watching Fun for Louis quite a bit. And I really loved Fun for Louis, like just casualness. And then um, Casey like dropped into one of his videos. And I was like, yeah. oh, this guy seems cool. Yeah. And then I also saw him appear in a Gary V video at that point. So then I was like, oh. I saw him on that video. I've yeah. seen him here. I'm, I'm going to check this guy out. Interestingly, I think I remember seeing him on a Gary V, like Ask Gary V show. And I was like, this yeah. guy seems a bit weird. And then yeah. like a couple of months later, I ended up like, watching one of his vlogs. And I'm like, this guy's a genius. This but guy's yeah, like, he, yeah. like he had this massive overnight success, but it wasn't overnight success because no. he'd put no, no. in 20 years of graft. And if you look like, at his videos where a, he talks lot. about how he manages his time, like he yeah. doesn't just shoot a 10 minute video where well, he doesn't do it no. anymore, but he didn't just shoot a 10 didn't. minute video and just 
call it a day and then sit around mm. and play PlayStation for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. his his day started at like four or five o'clock in the morning and he didn't end it until like 11, 12 o'clock at night. And There was a lot of know, vlogs where he would get home and yeah. Candice would be asleep yeah, yeah. and he would be like sneaking in and then yeah, doing yeah. an the, outro in the wardrobe. The, one of my favorite ones is where he basically has a 25 hour day and he documents the whole thing because like it's not a 25 hour day in a sense, but like he gets up and he knows that he's not actually going to be able to stop and go to bed until 25 hours later because he's traveling yeah. and all stuff and yeah yeah okay uh, the majority of creatives watching this the v- majority of f- photographers watching this are not going to be flying around the world yeah you know at the moment of listening if you do awesome let's get you on the show Amazing. but like <laughs> I, I, I fly around the world but i don't do it all the time it's not a daily thing but actually the reality of being a working creative is there are a lot of days like that you know yeah when you're yeah. traveling for, I mean, I flew to Japan. It was like a 21 hour travel day. It was ridiculous. <laughs> um, and you know, that that's the unromantic unseen part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, like Casey's, Casey's a good one. Go on. Who was your other one? Cause you said two. I'm intrigued now. Well, let, let me just quickly say this. Me. So Casey, Casey he was, he had his studio and like when he became famous, everyone loved him for his studio. Yeah, yeah. That studio, he had, he had it for years and years. Oh, yeah, like he, he built it, it him, up yeah. as he was being a creative. Yeah, yeah. And, him and Van like, that wasn't that. just something. You know, Van's got a YouTube series now. Say, he didn't just walk in and go, right, this is what I'm doing. It's going to look super yeah, yeah. creative. No, he built that up over yeah, time. And that was their studio. You know, Van's got a, uh, yeah. YouTube show now. I've seen, yeah, I've yeah. seen bits. Of, yeah, I yeah. like, I, I'm, I'm not on YouTube as much as what I used to be. Um, yeah, I, I'm just not, I'm not on the platform. I'm, I'm, a, I'm too busy to, to be able to consume. When I want to consume content, all I want is to sit down and watch mind numbing stuff at the moment. Yeah. So I'm already watching Friends for the third time this year <laughs> because when I, you know, at the end of the day, when I want to just, kick back and just and relax yeah i don't want to be watching another yeah, yeah. like high energy i just want something that i know yeah. that is just kind of a bit of texture yeah. for me but yeah so but the going other back guy, to the casey thing was yeah like that studio yeah. they'd had for 10 15 years exactly exactly so the other guy i was going to mention was peter mckinnon peter mm-hmm. mckinnon in this industry is fucking huge because he's so good at what he does and that's because he worked as a wedding photographer, videographer. He worked as, he did skateboarding. Worked he did documentaries. Store. He worked at a camera store. He worked at a fucking camera store. Yeah, the amount of store. people I know that are like, they, they, when they want to become a freelancer, they, they want to just say, oh, I don't want, I don't want a part-time job or I don't want to do this. Let me oh. tell you, I still work part-time doing car photography for a business. I'm employed by them because it pays my bills. It's super fucking creative. Yeah. And I get to take photos of cars all the time. Yeah. Look, don't think that you need to do this. If you've got an opportunity to work at a camera store, Go for do it. it. Hell, yeah. I spoke to a photographer a few weeks back. She works at um, a Manchester brewery called Seven Brothers. And she's just graduated university. She's like, I, I want to shoot more stuff. And bear in mind, I was absolutely hammered when I was <laughs> talking to her. But I was like, I was like, you work at this bar. They make craft yeah. beer like and ale. Shoot, shoot the heck out of like there, there is a huge industry there. Yeah, yeah. They also have one of the best social media accounts I've seen. Yeah. I was like, just ask your boss if you can bring your camera in a few days a week. Take photos of the food and, and the and the, and the drinks. You, all you need is two little LEDs. You've got a mini studio at work. Yep, absolutely. You can take this content, give it to your work for free. And in, in you know coming back to it, 
you're going to be picked up by all these other food accounts and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, look at what is in front of you. Yep, Peter absolutely. McKinnon did that. Peter McKinnon did that when he worked at the camera shop, yeah. when he was doing magic tricks and like with magicians. He started shooting magicians because they were fucking in front of him. Yeah, he, he didn't go out card, and do it because... He worked for a magic company or a card playing yeah, card something company like or something. That. And he just started taking photos of the magicians that were there because it was interesting. It was cool. And he yeah. had that... He had that want to do it and interestingly he didn't what, just start YouTube yeah. and then become famous and all of a sudden he was taking shots of magic no he did this first yeah and, and interestingly then started YouTube. yeah he then that's the thing it's he went he started YouTube with something to say and something to offer mm. the world as opposed to being like well just start a YouTube channel because that's how you get famous no well like, he had an awful lot that he could offer yeah before he hit the platform and then he hit the platform and even then he didn't pop for ages like he didn't pop until mm. I can't remember how many episodes he did and it was a camera hacks one about like five camera hacks or something he um, and that, I think like, I got into him actually really I didn't realise how early I got into him but I found him relatively early in mm. his career well, and you, just you you sent me um, I was on Casey's radar I was doing I was watching all of his stuff I'd seen and heard of Peter McKinnon and you sent me a video it was just, I think we were random one he did and you were just like you're going to enjoy watching yeah, this he's really and good. that's how he fully dropped onto my yeah. radar because you 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 knew that I would yeah. like his video yeah. stuff and uh, he's and very very good there. and like but yeah like these overnight successes aren't overnight successes they've grafted yeah. and put the time in and and it isn't just that either it's that they'll put the work in all the time. Yeah. Like Peter but it's McK- all Peter about McKinnon this is... early day stuff that yeah, they yeah. did. Like, I bet if you were to, if you could ask Peter McKinnon one thing and anyone listening to this, if you ever get the opportunity to meet him, just please ask him this one thing. He shoots on what Canon, is... by the way, you know that, don't you? I know. I, yeah, but like I've said, I don't care what bodies people have you, shoot Have on. you seen what Casey's moved to? Shut up. Have you no, seen what Casey's like moved to? I, I've, I'm assuming Sony. Yeah, doesn't surprise me. He was he was going that way when yeah. he was daily vlogging. Like it was obvious because of the people he was hanging out with. They were all moving yeah. to Sony. But like, if you if anyone gets to meet Casey or Peter or whatever, just ask them the one thing, and that is, what did you do in your first year that you still do today as a daily practice or as a weekly practice or whatever? Like, what hack did you do? And they will give you something that is so mundane yeah, it is yeah. so obvious and it's yeah. so basic it won't be camera gear it won't be lenses it every day yeah. yeah it won't be access it won't be all the things that people go after and think that is the game the game is the and this, mundane and this isn't me saying like oh gear doesn't matter because i'm a big believer of gear does matter mm. like you I, I couldn't take the photos i'm taking now with um uh, a bridge camera like I could take very close to yeah, and yeah. I could take very good photos that I could sell but I couldn't do what I do now no, yeah. without my and, equipment and, and that's an important point and I know it's we're an hour and a half in now and we probably should wrap <laughs> up in a minute and it's not really a hack thing but that that's the, that's a really good point and a bit of a soundbite if you will is that you you couldn't take what you take now on a bridge camera correct mm. But you could get very close on a bridge yeah. camera, and that's what gear does. Gear because doesn't separate you massively. It separates yeah. you by a tiny amount, and it allows yeah. you to work a bit more effectively by a tiny amount. And that tiny amount is the it's difference huge. between charging a client £500 or charging a client £1,000. Correct. 
and and this is and it's the same with professional athletes. You look at professional athletes um, compared to semi-professional. Yeah. It's not that that se- that professional athlete can curve a ball into the top corner of an, a yeah. football net and every single time. No, it's it's his passing is you know ninety six percent accurate. Like Mo Farah um, could run a ten k in a crappy pair of you know trainers that anyone can go and buy from any sports store. However, yeah. he'll be ten seconds quicker. And yeah. he'll recover a bit faster on like the best gear, and it's those yeah. marginal gains. That's what gear is. Gear yeah. is a marginal gain. What yeah. gives what gives you like leaps and strides and stuff in your creative career is it is the mundane. It's you know networking. It's, it's the hacks. It's, it's the learning. Hacks you pick it's, up. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's all of that stuff. Yeah, and so to end uh, to pull this to an end, let's just kind of conclude. Um, there's, we've hacks been through good. a lot. <laughs> Hacks are good, but hacks are individual. Yes. So if you have come to this podcast to say, uh, I need to I need to hack creativity, um, I would say to you, there is no hack. And no. I'm reading a book at the moment, which I'm going to save for next week because it'll be my rec next week. Um, and in the book, it, it does say that there is like, this isn't a guide to hacks and things like that because yeah. hacks are so individual. Yeah, yeah. I, w- I just want to say that if you do take anything from this podcast, any of our hacks, and you apply them to your work and it works, brilliant. Well done. If you apply them and it doesn't, great. Just move on just to the on. next one. Because you will pick something up from this podcast and you'll be like, this didn't work, but it led me to f- discover this that does work. And that's the point of this podcast. Yeah. Um, so... Moving on to the end, Ben. What is your recommendation for this week? Um, okay, Bearing in mind, so, I told him to prep this last night. Yeah, no, I'm on it. So, um, my recommendation is: so I'm there's a YouTube video of mine dropping today. Time of recording. Oh today. wow, he's gonna he's gonna recommend watching his own YouTube <laughs> <Yeah>. video. <laughs> no, no, and and it's talking about how, and I don't want to dive into this on the show because we'll be here for another forty-five minutes. How Instagram's algorithms now going to change yeah. because they're not a photo sharing app anymore? Blah 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 blah. But the 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 rec I'm going to give. Why are we calling it rec? I feel like. I like, like it. it sounds teenagers. Cool. I feel like I'm too, cool. too old to say. Rec. Also, I heard it on another podcast, and I was oh, okay, like, right, okay, I'm stealing that. Let's do that. <laughs> yeah. So my my rec is an app called Pano Crop or Panorama Crop. Yeah. Um, I know you get it on Android. Don't know whether you get it on. Um, I think if Apple, you search it there on would, Apple, there would, there's a very similar. There would be version. a very similar thing. And what it allows you mm. to do is it allows you to take an image. Um, and crop it down for like Instagram into its component parts um, and it's, it's super quick you do it on your phone and then you can upload those into a carousel on Instagram and mm. it's going to be a really good way that a lot of creatives are going to get around to the uh, change in Instagram and how it's not a photo sharing app anymore and how you need yeah. bigger photos on screen and all that kind of stuff so yeah my my rec for the week is pano crop or panorama crop or basically yeah. any app that allows you to crop a wide angle landscape photo into many parts I, I i would also say on the back of that because i use this quite a lot um you can if you've taken a really nice portrait so if you look at my instagram you see the photos of Catherine, um the girl with the ginger hair she's wearing a beret i used pano crop because i was quite tight into it and i didn't want to lose the top of the beret or her neck yeah so i used it to just fill the sides and make it a square image yep. so i could post the full thing yeah and um, but i've also used it in the past 
to make a carousel like Ben mm-hmm. said, but from a portrait point of view, because I'm taking them in portrait, you, you can't fit the whole face on. So I'll focus on a detail and I'll crop into the eyes and yeah. I'll show how how good the the quality of the eyes is. And you can do this in Photoshop. I know I know you can. Yeah, but like, and that's it's just the thing. So much I, I used, yeah, I used to do it in Photoshop, but actually it's a bit of a ball ache. And yeah. you know, pano crop or panorama crop is is great for that. It's just super quick and it can they've got like an option it's called like a non-swipeable post yeah and where it basically it fills it all in so like you can turn mm. a wide angle landscape shot and it will you know fill the edges in and It'll stuff top and, and yeah. bottom yeah yeah and, and, and that with the way that instagram is going to be changing in the next little while i guess is is my rec because i think it's going to be quite a powerful tool amazing so that's everything we've got time for. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are literally on the edge of our schedule. We are um, on the edge of the schedule. We yeah. said we were going to try and limit these to an hour, but we just kept talking. Um, thank you so much for listening. If you did get this far, um, incredible. Please leave us some feedback. Uh, drop us a DM. I am at David Duffin Photography on Instagram. Ben is at Ben Snaps Stuff on oh, Instagram. So cringes at his name every time. I hate it. Um, if you have any suggestions for what you want to hear from us in the future, please drop us a message and we'll add it to our ever-growing list because I've just added two or three things from this one podcast. Excellent. Um, we are looking at working with more people on the podcast, getting guests involved and things like that. So I have mentioned George will hopefully be a guest on this podcast soon. He will be. If you are a creative and you think you've got a good story to tell, Again, get in touch with me or Ben. We'll have a chat. We'll see what we think. And we would love to get people on the podcast. So, uh, yeah, drop us on a message. Pod. On the pod. Because we're right, short that's accent everything. Now. Thank it you everything. so much for listening. We will see you next week with see another you. episode. Do we, do we see you on a podcast? We'll talk to you. We'll hear you next. Yeah, no, we we'll won't, talk to you. We, no, yeah, they hear us. You will hear, hear us yeah. next week. Yeah, yeah. We will be right. in your presence. We'll be in your ears. Okay. We'll be in your ears next week. Right. See you later. Goodbye. Thank you for thank you for watching.